Today we're going to wrap up a series uh, that we started on Easter Sunday entitled Sandcastles. And uh, we began talking about three weeks ago, how do we build a life that lasts, right? We want to build a life that lasts, that endures and overcomes the challenges of life and ultimately uh, lasts into eternity. So we're going to talk about uh, how that kind of happens together this morning. So let's look at our foundational scripture, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus is speaking and Jesus says this, look what he says in Matthew 7. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came. There we go. Very good. Who's that up there? Is that Matthew? Hey, Matthew. <laughs> and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Y'all say it was founded on the rock. All right. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, there it is. One more screen. I'm sorry. I'm backing up. There we go. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So let's look at that first point on your outline. So we said, what does it mean to build a life that lasts? And we said simply building a life that lasts means, number one, building a life that endures and overcomes the storms of life. And we talked about the storms of life, right, as being the things that come down, the things that come up, and the things that come against our lives. And everybody in this room recognizes the storms of life happen to everybody, right? Jesus said the storms come uh, no, matter who's, uh, no matter who you are and no matter where you've come from, everybody experiences the storms of life. And we recognize on Easter morning that if we're going to build a life that's going to endure the storms of life, we're going to have to build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ. We're going to have to have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and apart from Christ, it is impossible to experience a life that lasts, right? Because we said one day, uh, you're going to experience a storm, right, that's going to be bigger than you, going to be stronger than you, going to outlast you, and you're going to need a Savior, right? You're going to need somebody that can step out into the, the helm of your ship, so to speak, and say, peace, be still. How many glad Jesus can speak peace to your storm, amen? He can give you grace and strength and power to not only endure, but overcome the storms of life. Last Sunday, we look at that next point on your outline, we said that building a life that lasts also means building a life with an eternal perspective. So if we're going to have a life, build a life that lasts, we're going to have to build a life with an eternal perspective. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to read it again together today. It says, because of God's grace to me, Paul speaking, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on, that found, on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Look at that next verse. He says, and anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show, look at this last phrase, well, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. And we said, what does it mean for a work to have value? We said it means it has eternal value, that it will actually endure into eternity, right? If I live a life built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and I build those works, Jesus said, or the scripture says, that are gold, silver, and precious jewels, then I'm going to lay up for me a treasure in heaven and I'm going to have a work that has value that will endure forever. Now let's look at the next screen of scripture. 
It says, and if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward, right? So my life, my works, my deeds, my words are going to be tried by fire. And what endures the fire, I'm going to be rewarded for. Why? Because it has eternal value. But the work that is burned up, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. So let's look at this next point. We talked about this last week. So we said, what you build in the temporal determines how you will live in the eternal. Your earthly life determines your heavenly reward. And last week I brought in my little rope, right, and I had the little blue part of the rope, and I said this blue part of the rope represents your temporal life, your life on earth. And what you do in the temporal determines how you live in the eternal, right? We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but our works determine our eternal reward. How I spend eternity is going to be determined by what I do while I am here on earth. So the small part of my life, which is my earthly life, determines how I will live or the quality of my eternal life. So last week I told you we were going to answer a question. Look at the next point on your outline. We said simply this. Here's a question we're going to answer today. What works have eternal value and produce an eternal reward, right? So what works, if my works are going to be tried by fire, then what works can I do? How can I live my life in such a way that my life will endure, right? That I can build a life that will last so that when I stand before God, I will receive an eternal reward. Now, let me just say this to you today. You can answer that question in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of angles and perceptions and, and, and different ways that you can look at answering what is an eternal work, what produces an eternal reward. But as I was praying... The Lord told me, he said, Keith, I'm going to give you the lowest common denominator. I'm going to give you the basic principle of eternal value and eternal reward. And every other concept is going to be built on this one principle, but I'm going to give you the basic foundational truth of what it means to live a life with eternal value and what it means to live a life that produces an eternal reward. So as we talk about this today, Uh, We're not going to look at every angle. We're going to kind of look at a foundational principle that underlines every eternal work and every eternal reward. So let's look at our next point, and here's the answer. So what works are eternal and produce an eternal reward? So here it is. Everything that we do and everything that we say in obedience to the Word of God has eternal value and produces an eternal reward. Everything that we do and everything that we say in obedience to the Word of God produces an eternal reward. Well, Pastor Keith, where in the world did you get that? Well, let's look at Matthew 7, our foundational scripture, right? Jesus said it right here. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them, right? If you do what I say, that's what Jesus said. If you do what I say, if you obey my word... I mean, no, this is all the Word of God. If you obey my word, then, look what he said, it's like a wise man building his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. So Jesus said, anything that I do in obedience to the word will last forever. Not only will it endure the the temporal storms of life, but it will endure the fire of judgment, and it will produce an eternal reward. 
So anything that I do in obedience to the Word of God produces an eternal reward. Now, if you've been through a journey class, how many of you have been through a journey class in here this morning? You learned in journey class, right, something you've heard over and over, obedience produces what? Blessing. Obedience produces blessing. So, so obedience has a twofold reward, okay? Let's talk about this for a second. The first reward of obedience is temporal, right? When you obey the Word of God, there is a temporal reward, right? All of a sudden, when you do what God says to do, you know what happens? Your family gets blessed. Your finances get blessed. And all of a sudden, your job gets blessed. And when you begin to obey the Word of God, you know what begins to happen? God begins to breathe life on the things that you honor Him with, right? And your obedience produces a blessing in your temporal life, right? And so we get to enjoy the fruit of obedience while we're here on planet Earth, right? We can have a healthy family. We can have a godly family. We can have soundness of mind and we can have clarity of heart. We can walk in peace and we can be filled with joy because we obey the Word of God, right? Obedience produces blessing. But not only does obedience produce a temporal blessing, but obedience produces an eternal blessing. Every time I obey the Word of God, I am laying up treasure in heaven. It is producing an eternal reward that I get to enjoy forever. And if you don't live with an eternal perspective, sometimes you'll get discouraged when you don't see fruit fast enough, right? You ever start praying for somebody and they get worse instead of better? Right? And all of a sudden you get discouraged because they're not changing as fast as you think they ought to change. And what you don't realize is, yes, obedience produces a temporal reward, but there's also an eternal reward. You're laying up treasure in heaven as you're interceding and praying on behalf of that person that you're standing in the gap for. And so obedience has a twofold reward. It has a temporal reward and it has an eternal reward. Now let's flip the coin. Let's talk about disobedience. Disobedience could be called sin, right? Sin is disobedience. The Bible says that he who knows, knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And the Bible says that all lawlessness is sin. So if God says don't do it and you do it, that's sin. And if God says do it and you don't do it, that's sin, right? So sin is basically disobedience to God. Anytime I don't do what he tells me to do or anytime I do something he tells me not to do, that is sin. Well, guess what? Sin has two rewards. Sin has a temporal reward. The Bible says the wages of sin or the reward of sin is what? Death. Right? Sin destroys. It'll bring death to your family. It'll bring death to your body. It'll bring death to your mind. It'll bring death to your finances. It'll destroy anything you give place to. When you allow sin to rule and reign in your life, it'll destroy your life. And you'll you'll end up at the end of your life, look at the end of your life holding a mess full of chaos, confusion, and pain. Why? Because sin produces death. Now, in the life of a Christian, sin also has an eternal reward. And the eternal reward of sin is that it robs me of my eternal reward. Not only does sin produce death in the natural, but in the life of a Christian, now when I disobey God, how many of you Christians, how many Christians in here today? Any Christians? How many of you have ever disobeyed God? All right. Well, guess what? When you disobey God, you know what happened? Not only are there natural repercussions to your sin, but that disobedience robbed you of an eternal reward. It robbed you because in the moment that you disobeyed, you also had an opportunity to obey. 
And so your disobedience robbed you of an eternal reward that you could have laid up. So not only now do you suffer the repercussion of your sin, now you know that heaven is not going to be as sweet because there's some things that should have been there that won't be there waiting on you. Because sin has a twofold reward. So let's kind of talk about this, okay? So Colossians chapter 3, I want you to see this. So we're going to spend the whole meat of the message, the rest of the message, we're going to look through Colossians chapter 3, 25 verses. So somebody say, Lord help Pastor Keith. <laughs> 25 verses we're going to look at. And what we're going to see, I love this chapter, I've never seen it before, but Colossians chapter 3 gives us a beautiful picture of a holistic image of our Christian life. Because how many understand that the Bible doesn't just speak about spiritual things? The Bible talks about every area of your life. It talks about your family, it talks about your finances, it talks about your dreams, it talks about your aspirations and your desires, it talks about everything. It talks about everything. The Bible is relevant to every area of your life, and the Bible speaks into every area of your life. So we're going to see through Colossians 3 a very holistic picture, because I want you to see something. When we think about doing things or doing works that produce eternal life or eternal reward, not eternal life. We can't earn eternal life, right? Y'all hear me? You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn eternal rewards. So when we talk about the works that produce eternal rewards, a lot of times we automatically think spiritual things, right? We think about praying and reading your Bible and, and telling somebody about Jesus, being a missionary or a preacher or something like that. What if I told you that if you show up to work tomorrow on time, you laid up a reward in heaven? Well, Pastor Keith, that don't sound very spiritual at all. I mean, because my job don't have anything to do with heaven, right? My job is, is totally secular and there's nothing. I mean, I don't even work with no Christians. It's just a horrible place to work and I don't even like going there. And you're telling me if I show up on time tomorrow at work, I'm going to lay up treasure in heaven? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm going to show you from the Bible how that's true. Because what I want you to see is most of us are laying up treasure in heaven and we don't even realize it. I want you to leave here encouraged today. We're going to be confronted with truth and we're going to be challenged today, but I want you to leave here encouraged by the reality that most of us are doing things we don't even realize we're doing that are laying up treasure in heaven. And if we become more conscious, if we become more eternally minded, all of a sudden it multiplies the efforts that we can take in what we're doing to lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust, Jesus said, do not destroy. Amen? So let's look at Colossians 3 together. All right, here we go. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Look at this verse, not the things of the earth. So he says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Guess what Paul's doing? He's encouraging us to be eternally minded. Don't be temporal minded. Don't just think about the things of this earth. Think about the things of heaven. Realize that everything you do has the potential to of impact your eternal reward. Let me say that again. Everything you do has the potential to impact your eternal reward. So Paul says, set your mind on the reality or your sights on the realities of heaven and think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Don't be earthly minded. Be heavenly minded. Be eternally minded. Begin to look at your life through the lens of eternity. Now let's look at this next verse. He says, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Somebody say, real life. 
your real life is hidden with Christ in God. How many of you know this temporal life is not really the real life? Because everybody in this life dies. Right? You've never met anybody that didn't die. Nobody escapes life alive. Everybody dies. This is not real life. This is temporal life. Eternity is real life. We're going to live forever and ever and ever. Look what the Bible says. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. My real life is eternal. My real life is in heaven. My real life is with God. That's where my real life is. Now, if I get really confused, and most Americans are really confused, we'll live for this life and not the real life. And then we get to the end of this life, and we realize we wasted it. And we step into eternity with no eternal reward. So we want to be heavenly minded. Amen. We want to live for the real life, which is in Christ. He says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. How many know we're going to share in his glory? We're going to experience eternal rewards. Because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? We're going to experience eternal rewards because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Let's look at our next, uh, next screen. Here we go. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an adulterer worshiping the things of this world. Look at the next verse. And because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Next screen, I'm sorry. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Two things I want to pull out of those verses. Number one, he says, put to death your sinful nature and get rid of those things that corrupt and pervert your life. I want to give you some great good news. Every time... You resist temptation. Every time you say no to the flesh and you say yes to the spirit, guess what you just did? You just laid up treasure in heaven. Right? How do we lay up eternal treasure? We obey the word of God. What does the word of God tell us to do? To crucify our flesh. To put to death the deeds of your natural body. And to get rid of those sinful things that corrupt and pervert you. Every time you say no to sin and yes to God, you lay up treasure in heaven. Every time you say no to temptation and yes to God, you lay up treasure in heaven. Every time you resist the enemy and choose to follow God, you lay up treasure in heaven. That's pretty awesome. Because how many of you realize even though we're saved and we're going to heaven, we still got this carnal nature that wants to rise up. There's still the reality of temptation, right? We have all been tempted to be angry, to, to lose our cool. We've all been tempted to do things and say things we shouldn't do. And when you resist temptation and you put to death the deeds of this natural, this carnal body, guess what happens? Every time you deny temptation, say no to your flesh, you lay up treasure in heaven. That's an awesome thought. So right now, right, some of you this morning, you were tempted to lay in bed and not come to church. Right? Man, I was just so tired. I had such a hard week. And the devil said, you need to rest. But you resisted temptation and got up and came to church. And guess what you did? You laid up treasure in heaven today. You resisted the temptation to be lazy. You resisted the temptation to be prideful. 
you resisted the temptation to be greedy. You resisted the temptation to be selfish and self-centered and self-focused. And you decided you'd love somebody and live for somebody else other than yourself. And all of a sudden, every time, every time you do that, every time you crucify your flesh, you lay up treasure in heaven. Now, let's look at the rest of this verse on the screen. He says, now, put on your new nature. Let's go back to that if we can. Put on your new nature. Can we back up one verse? There we go. Put on your new nature. Matt, you, you're tricking me up there? Somebody give that guy a raise. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Right? Put on your new nature. So not only do we get rewarded for putting off the old nature, right? we get rewarded for putting on the new nature. Every time you do what the Word of God says to do, you reap a eternal reward. So when you put on the new nature and you put on the image and likeness of Christ, and every time you make a decision, look at this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Everything you do with the intent of knowing God and becoming more like Jesus not only produces temporal reward, it produces eternal reward. Every time you love somebody, every time you serve somebody, every time you sacrifice to make a difference in somebody else's life, guess what you're doing? You're becoming more like Jesus. And every time that you become more like Jesus, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Right? We're storing up an eternal reward. And you know what? I hope some of you are thinking right now, hey, I'm doing that. Right? I'm doing that. I'm pursuing God. I'm spending time in my word. I'm praying. I'm growing. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to know God deeper. Everything you do to do that becomes an eternal reward. Not only do you get the temporal reward of your life becomes better, but you get the eternal reward that you're laying up treasure that you're going to get to enjoy forever. All right, let's look at this next, next slide. In this new life, I, I love this statement right here. In this new life, it doesn't matter. Y'all say that with me. It doesn't matter. Look what he says. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you're circumcised or uncircumcised, if you're barbaric or uncivilized or slave or free, Christ is all that matters. Y'all say that with me. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Let's talk about this verse for a second. In this new life, the real life, the eternal life, look what he says. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you're barbarian, civilized, slave, or free. Let me give you a modern-day interpretation. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a company or the janitor of the company. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor of the church or the nursery worker in the back. It doesn't matter if, you're, you, if you have a high upstanding social status or if you have no social status. It doesn't matter if you're educated or it doesn't matter if you're uneducated. What matters is simply this. Look what he says. All that matters is Christ. All that matters is Christ. See, John Maxwell has a little statement. I love it. He says, God always takes the cookies off the top shelf, and he puts them on the bottom shelf so everybody can get to them. Let me tell you what God has done in this revelation. God has basically said this. It doesn't matter who you are in this life. What matters is how you respond to Christ in this life. There's no special reward for being a preacher. I got to earn my reward the same way you earn your reward. How do I do that? By being obedient to God. Right? I, I don't get extra treasure in heaven because I'm a pastor. I don't get extra treasure in heaven because, right, all you young people listen to me. You don't get extra treasure in heaven because you got a big following on Twitter. 
You don't get extra treasure in heaven because so many people liked your last Facebook post. Right? Social status, financial status, educational status, none of that matters. It doesn't matter in this new life. In eternal life, it doesn't matter what you were on earth. All that matters is what did you do with Christ? Did you obey Him? Did you follow Him? Were you obedient to Him? That's all that matters. Your eternal reward, everybody's eternal reward is measured the same way. Not by position, not by power, not by status, but by obedience. God put the cookies right there on the bottom. So every one of us has the same opportunity to enjoy a heavenly reward. Let me just tell you something. There are going to be people who have never stood on a stage that are going to have a greater reward in heaven than preachers that have preached the gospel their whole life. Because it's not about your position on earth in this little segment. It is about your obedience to Christ. What are you doing where you are in obedience to Jesus? Amen? Let's look at our next scripture. Since God chose you to be, holy to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's talk about that for a minute. Every time you show mercy, you lay up treasure in heaven. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, I'm a merciful person. Praise God, heaven looks good for you. Right? Right? What is mercy? Mercy keeps us from what we do deserve, right? The mercy of God keeps us from the judgment of God. When somebody deserves wrath and you give them mercy, somebody deserves punishment and you give them mercy, somebody deserves to be cut off and you give them a second chance, you know what that is? That's the mercy of God. And every time you show mercy, guess what happens? You lay up treasure in heaven. Every time, look at that, every time you show kindness, how many know God wants us to be kind? He actually tells us to clothe ourselves with kindness. That's a, that's a command. Every time you show kindness to a stranger, every time you show kindness to your family, right? Isn't it crazy? Sometimes we treat strangers better than we treat our family. You know, I've, I've had those moments where I thought, well, I wish everybody would just treat me like a stranger. I mean, because you, you, you ever see how people meet, they meet somebody for the first time, they're very kind, they're very polite, they go out of the way to take care of that person, then they get to know them and they're like, not nice, right? Kindness. Every time you show kindness, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. Humility. Every time you humble yourself. Every time you submit to authority, that's humility. Every time you submit to authority, you're humbling yourself. And guess what God does? He rewards you. Not only is there temporal reward, there is eternal reward gentleness every time you're gentle right we don't want to be hard-handed right we, we've all we've all met Christians right you can take the Bible and you can do two things with the Bible you can beat people down or you can lift people up right you can beat people down or you can lift people up how many know Jesus didn't come to beat people down he came to lift people up right and we can be gentle right we can speak the truth the Bible says but we can speak it in love Right? We can be gentle as we handle people, as we handle difficulties, as we handle problems, as we handle our families, as we handle our children, as we handle our coworkers, as we handle each other. We just begin to walk in a spirit of gentleness. Every time you show gentleness, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Look at that next one, patience. I love that because since I got married, I have laid up a bunch of treasure in heaven. <laughs> Kelly didn't even catch it. Patience. I've had to wait. I'm going to pay for that one. Anyway, all right, so how many know that patience is more than just waiting? It's actually waiting with a good attitude. 
waiting with a good. So every time you've been patient with somebody, every time you've waited on them, every time you've showed that patient spirit, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. I tell people all the time, if you want to be patient, go on a missionary trip. Because the world, the, outs, the rest of the world does not operate off of a clock like America. And they have no concept of time. And you're going to do a lot of hurry up and wait. Because they just don't understand time. Maybe we don't understand it. Maybe they got it right. I'm not sure. But anyway, somewhere along the lines, patience pays off. Amen? Eternal reward. How many of you are thinking, man, I'm doing some of that. Anybody doing some of that stuff? Right? Hey, praise God. Heaven's looking sweeter, isn't it? Make allowances for each other's faults. He doesn't say condone sin. He says make allowance for each other's faults. Right? How many know we all got faults? We all got shortcomings. We all got areas where we're still growing and becoming who God's called us to be. When you make allowance for other people's faults and you show them grace, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. Again, we're not condoning sin. We never condone sin. Jesus confronts sin. He never condones sin. But he does make allowance for our faults and recognize we're still growing. We're still becoming who God's called us to be. And if I walk in enough grace with other people and allow them to make some mistakes along the way, you know what will happen? Every time I do that, God will lay up, there'll be, I'll be laying up treasure in heaven. Look at the rest of this. He says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Every time you forgive, you lay up treasure in heaven. Every time you forgive, you lay up treasure in heaven. Now, now the temporal reward of forgiveness is awesome. Because if you walk around with unforgiveness in your heart, you are bound by that bitterness and resentment. And you are incapable of enjoying your life. Right? You cannot walk around with bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart and enjoy your life. Because every time you see them, every time you think about them, every time somebody says their name, it robs you of all your joy. You get mad and angry all over again, right? Forgiveness has an amazing temporal reward, but guess what? It also has an eternal reward. When I forgive, I'm laying up treasure in heaven. Look what else he says. He says, remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Look at our next verse. He says, and above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love, right? Every time we love somebody. How many of you know the Bible? The greatest commandment is love God and love people. When we love people. Right, when we love people, when we show compassion and care to people, guess what we're doing? We're laying up treasure in heaven. When we help the hurting and the broken, when we help the hungry and the needy, guess what we're doing? We're laying up treasure in heaven. When we take time to go out of our way and be a good Samaritan, we go the extra mile to do something for somebody that probably doesn't even deserve it, guess what we're doing? We're laying up treasure in heaven. Man, I hope y'all are thinking, man, heaven's getting sweeter. Because I want you to leave here encouraged because there are some things, we're doing this stuff, guys. Maybe not perfectly, maybe not all the time, but you know what? I think we're doing more than we realize. And if we can get a picture of eternity and we can begin to live in light of that, I think we can multiply what we're doing even to a greater level. And we can lay up great treasure in heaven. Look what he, he goes on. This is just awesome. He says, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. We're called to live in peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Every time you make peace, Right? Every time you make peace, every time you become a peacemaker, guess what happens? Not only are you restoring relationships, but you're laying up treasure in heaven. Then he says, and be thankful, and always be thankful. I was sitting at my dining room table this morning. That's where I do my quiet time. I was drinking my coffee. I was praying, and, and I just looked around, and I thought, man, God, I got so much to be thankful for, so much. Every time you say, thank you, God. Every time you, you, you tell somebody else, man, thank you for what you did for me. How many know God rewards thankfulness? 
I mean, let's think about it. As natural parents, we reward thankfulness too, right? When your kids show gratitude and appreciation, you reward that. Oh, come on, we're going to go to Walmart get you something. You did so good. So proud of you. How many know heaven's got something better than Walmart? There's something a whole lot better than Walmart in heaven. But when you are thankful, you lay up treasure in heaven. Let me give you a couple more things. We're getting there. Y'all say, Lord, help Pastor Keith. <laughs> all right, let's look at verse. And let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Let the message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives. Everything, everything that you do in order to fill your heart and your life with the message of Jesus Christ not only benefits you temporally, but it lays up treasure in heaven. When you study the word, when you pray, when you go to church, when you worship, all those things are filling your heart with the message of Christ. Those podcasts you're listening to, those YouTube videos you're watching to learn more about Jesus, all those things are filling your heart with the message of Christ. And you're laying up eternal treasure. The Bible says, fill your heart with the message of Christ. And then it says, look what it says there. It says, and then teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom. Every time you share the gospel, every time you minister the word, every time you encourage somebody with scripture, you know what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time you text somebody that encouraging verse that you read in your quiet time, you know what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. You're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time you sing, look at that, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Every time you worship God. This morning we laid up some treasure in heaven. Not only did we get to enjoy his presence on earth, but we laid up treasure in heaven. And I learned a long time ago that when I don't know what to do, I just praise God. Right, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what to do, I'm just going to praise you. And not only does it produce temporal results, it also produces eternal rewards. Let's, let's move on, look at the next verse. And whatever you do or say, that's a lot, right? Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. When you live your life, the things that you do and say to represent Christ, the things that you do and the things that you say to honor God, right? When you mow your yard to honor the Lord. That's a pretty simple thing, right? When you clean your house, when you wash your car, how many of you know that heaven's probably well manicured? We represent Jesus, right? How many know Jesus' car is clean? We represent Jesus. Everything you do as a representative under the Lord, in word or in deed, guess what? It lays up treasure in heaven. God, I want to represent you on my job, in my family, in my house. God, I want to represent you in everything I do to represent you. Lord, it lays up treasure in heaven. Look at this next part. All you wives, you ought to love this, right? Wives, submit to your husbands. Go back there. Matt, you're helping me out. Come on, Matt. Come on, brother. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Ladies, let me just tell you something. Every time you submit to your husband, every time you honor your husband, every time you show respect to your husband, you know what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. You're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time. You do that. When you honor him, when you respect him, when you submit to the leadership. Now, we don't submit to sin, but we do submit to authority. And when we do that, guess what? We're laying up treasure in heaven. Husbands, love your wives and never, that's a harsh word, never treat them harshly. Men, when you love your wife, when you care for her, when you provide for her, when you, when you adore her, when you value her, when you show compassion and care toward her, when you go out of your way to make sure she knows she's the queen of your house, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. 
and it produces pretty good fruit on earth too, by the way. Amen. Look at this next part. Here we go, next screen. <laughs> good job, man. Children, always obey your parents. Always, that's a big word. Children, always obey your parents. All the teenagers ought to say amen and amen. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases God. When you obey your parents, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. And look right here, fathers, so we can put parents right here. Do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. We, we ought to, every time as a parent, let me say this, every time as a parent, you encourage you challenge, you strengthen, you impart, you invest in your kids. Guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. When you read that little book that that little kid wants to read for the 450th time, and you think, I'm going to go crazy if I have to read this one more time. Guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. You're training up a child in the way they should go. And you know what you're training them? Your daddy never grows tired of loving you. Your mama never grows tired of loving you. You're training them in the love of God. You're training them in the unconditional love of God. You're training them in the faithfulness of God. Right? Mom, every time that little girl wants to help you cook, and you know she's going to make a bigger mess than you can ever imagine cleaning up, and you do it anyway, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Dad, every time that son wants to help you work on the car, you know it's going to take you three times longer to let him help you than it would if he didn't help you. You're training him in the love of God, and you're laying up treasure in heaven. When you go on vacation, hear this, vacation is holy. When you go on vacation and you spend time with your family and you invest in your family and you play games together and you laugh together and you pray together and you rejoice together, guess what you're doing? You're laying up treasure in heaven. Y'all never knew life was so spiritual. Everything has the potential to produce an eternal reward. Next verse. We're almost there, guys. Y'all are doing great. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Let me give you a modern-day interpretation. Instead of slaves, let's say employees. Obey your earthly employers in everything you do. Try to please them when? All the time. Not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Under the Lord. When you work your job as under the Lord and not under man, guess what happens? You lay up treasure in heaven. If the only reason you go to work is to get a paycheck, then all you get is a paycheck. But if you go to the work to serve God, if you go to work to honor the Lord, if you go to work to represent Jesus, guess what you get? You get a paycheck, you're probably going to get a raise, and you're going to get treasure in heaven. Everything matters, right? I told you, if you show up on time, you're going to get treasure in heaven. If you're five minutes late, you're robbing yourself of the blessing of God. Let's look at the next verse. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than people. Work willingly at whatever you do. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Everything that you do has the potential to produce eternal reward if you do it unto the Lord. I'm going to clean the toilet unto Jesus. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to vacuum the floor under the Lord. I'm going to do what I do unto the Lord. My kids, my family, my wife, my finances, my job, my spiritual life, everything that I'm going to do, I'm going to do is under the Lord. And everything then has the potential to produce eternal reward. 
Then look what he says. He says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. Who are we serving? Christ. He's going to give us what? An inheritance, which is what? An eternal reward. Now look at verse 25. It's a sobering verse. He kind of wraps it up with this. He says, but if you do wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Do right. Obey God. Because if you do, guess what? God will bless you. Temporally and eternally. If you do wrong, right? We talked about the reward of sin. It brings death now and it robs you of rewards later. I don't want to let the devil have any of my rewards. How about you? I want them all. I want to lay up everything I can lay up so that when I stand before God, I stand before God and my works are tried by fire and they all remain for His glory. I want you just to bow your heads if you would for a moment. Let me give you one closing thought. If you're here today, all the good works in all the world amount to nothing if you're not building your life on the right foundation. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, then all the good works will never produce an eternal reward. Because if you die without Christ, you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, man, I want an eternal reward, but I need more than that. I need Jesus to save me. I realize I'm still dead in my sin. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says you're dead in your sin and your trespasses, and you're right now separated from God. But there is, there is a loving Father in heaven who sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so you could be reconciled. That means to be brought into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to build my life on the rock of Jesus Christ, and I want to build a life that lasts. And I want to ask Jesus today to forgive me of my sin, be my Lord and Savior. I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. God bless those hands. Just hold them up for just a minute. Just raise your hand. I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender my life to Him. I'm not playing games. This is not religion. This is real. I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you about 10 seconds. If you're here and you want to raise your hand, you want to make an act of faith, you want to step out and trust God, just 10 more seconds. Today can be your day of salvation. Today can be the day you begin to build your life on the rock, and today can be the day that your life really matters because you can build a life that lasts. No more sandcastles, no more crumbling lives, no more faltering dreams. But we want to build a life today that lasts. You can put your hands down. Let's just pray this prayer together. Let's pray it out loud, if you will. And if you raise your hand, let's pray this. And if you pray it from your heart, the Bible says today you can be saved. Let's pray it together. Here we go, out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin, rose again on the third day, and He can forgive me, and He can free me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and my life, be my Lord and Savior. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. Forgive me of my past and lead me into my future. In Jesus' name, amen.